You're listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast, a product of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association. To learn more, visit our website at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. I'm Derek Duman, OBCA Vice President and Boys Basketball Coach at West Elding High School. And today, I'm joined by Alicia Love, Girls Basketball Coach at Ridgeview High School. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. And Coach, special day. You know, this is airing on February 14th, Valentine's Day. So, you know, we had to get Coach Love on. Uh, had to make sure we got that done. Uh, Coach, for those that might not be uh, familiar with you, uh, can you give us a little background on your basketball journey, how you got into coaching, and, and how you ended up as the head girls coach at Ridgeview? Sure, yeah. Um I grew up here in Central Oregon in Bend and uh, went to Mountain View High School and graduated in 2008. Um, and from there, I went on and played. I ended up playing a year at Blue Mountain Community College. Um, and then I ended up transferring. Pendleton just wasn't really the place for me. So I ended up transferring um, to Lynn Benton Community College in Albany. Um, and while I was there, I had to sit out a year. Um, and then following year, I tore my ACL for the second time. Um, so ended up with a red shirt year that year and then played one more year and ended up tearing it again. So I've had three ACL surgeries and, um, yeah, so ended up there and then I took a year off, um, and I helped out at Milwaukee high school just for, you know, as an assistant type of position. Um, and then I ended up actually, um, getting to play at Concordia for a year. I'm Concordia university in Portland, which is no longer, but I did play there for a year and then, uh, my body was pretty much uh, done at that point um, with the three surgeries, so I ended up moving back home. Um, actually, that's not true. I guess I coached at Aloha for a year or two, and I, um, after that, I moved back home, um, just was ready to get into the family business. Um, Dad owns a screen printing and embroidery shop, um, so I'm the sales manager there, so I do that as a full-time job, and then I got the opportunity to coach at Ridgeview, so I started there five years ago um, in 2015, and I started as a freshman coach. So I coached the freshman team for a year, did JV for um, one year, and then I did the varsity assistant for two years. So, And then last year was my first year as a head coach over there at Ridgeview. Yeah, you took over last season, your first year as, as the head coach in a program. Can you talk about what was that process like as far as being an assistant, the head coach leaves, you're now the new head coach. What did you do to kind of establish it as, as your program? Right. Um, man, the first thing I did was just – the easy part was the girls already knew me, right? So that that part was easy. Um, and they knew who I was as a as a person as and as a coach. Um, so I think they respected me in that sense already. Then then it became, okay, what do we do to change um, the outcomes that they've had the last couple of years um, there? And it was really – we just – we did a whole overhaul, and we just changed the style of play. Um, and that's been the biggest thing. And so it was really just trying to get the girls to buy into what we were changing because it was such a change for them. Um, and just really holding the girls accountable and being honest with them from the beginning. And I think that's something that they appreciated and learned to respect. And it just, I think it got them to buy in even more because of that. So that was, that was the yeah. part of it. And then, you know, <laughs> it just kind of uh, snowballed from there. For sure. Yeah, you talk about buy-in, I think, is so important as a coach and, and something that can be hard, especially as a, a first-year head coach. What yeah. did you do to create that buy-in? Um, 
honesty uh, was the beginning and just telling them what I believed that they could do and what I had seen from them in the past and what I thought, you know, what these changes would do for us as a program and just and being upfront with them from the beginning, like, hey, this isn't your this isn't your strong point. This is where I want you to be. Um, hey, you know, you might have done this in the past. I don't want you to do that anymore. And, and honesty was the biggest thing, I think, for these kids. I think that just treating them as a as an adult almost and letting them know where I thought they stand and what that looked like for the program and how they could help us out um, just really started that buy-in process because then they could start asking questions and really understand um, where they stood. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I realized when I first became a head coach is um, being the head coach sounds all fun and games until you become mm-hmm. the head coach, and yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different ball game. So what were kind of some of those realizations that you had last year of like, oh, boy, I'm no longer an assistant. Uh, here, I, here I am as a head yeah. coach. I don't know if I was <laughs> ready you're not, Yeah, you're, uh, it's, it is. It's a whole different ball game. Um one thing is just the behind-the-scenes stuff that no one sees. So, you know, grade, grade checks, um, man, bus schedules, just staying on top of that stuff. And for me, it was even harder just because um, um, they, you know, it was even harder for me as um, not being in the school and not working for the school district and not being, like, inside. So I didn't get to see the kids every day and not getting to um, – just get to talk to anyone in the school so it was like emailing constantly calling the ad um texting the secretary that type of thing kind of helped me in that sense but really the paperwork the um late hours watching film um creating practices plans changing practices plans because you know i didn't what we worked on yesterday in practice wasn't going to help us in today's practice because we didn't get that far you know um watch watching game film stats all that stuff. All that stuff was stuff that I didn't have to deal with as an assistant. As an assistant, I showed up and, you know, kind of just did what was asked of me. And now that was my job to, you know, ask ask my assistants to, to do things and put in an offense and learn all these things. And, man, I've watched so many YouTube videos and researched so much stuff. I, I lost a lot of sleep. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think a lot of that is, like, you know, because I am so young and it is my it was my first year, it was just really trying to understand um, what what I needed to do, um, how can I get these kids to buy in? You know, I got to make sure that I know what I'm talking about and what I'm communicating so that the girls um, believe me um, and buy into that process too. So the fact that I'm able to answer all their questions or maybe the majority of their questions sometimes helps them buy into that process too. When you look back on your first year as a head coach, you guys got to have some success, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. What is what, what are kind of the top two or three things that you learned as you look back on your first couple of years or your first year, I should say? Yeah. Um, take some time for myself. I think that was something that I didn't do a great job of in my first year. So, um, you know, not, not stressing all the time and really just taking a step back every once in a while. Um, don't, don't lose too much sleep over, you know, one loss game or, um, something didn't go right in practice. Like, don't lose too much sleep over that. It's just, now let's readjust and get something back in there. And then just to ask for help. Um, I started to do that a little bit more towards the end of the year. Um, I have a great relationship with the head volleyball coach at Ridgeview. Um, and her husband's actually my JV coach, which is also helpful. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just asking for help and talking with the boys coach and trying to see, you know, like, hey, how do you guys handle this? Like, just learning to ask for help, I think, was the biggest thing. And then just taking a step back and allowing myself to to also have me time 
and not just be focused completely on that, you know, 24-7 type of thing. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe, you know, as listed on the website, you have uh, another love on staff. I believe that's your dad. <laughs> is that correct? That is correct, yeah. My yeah. dad is the assistant, yep, for the varsity program. Yeah, and that's got to be a really cool experience. Can you talk about what that's like to be able to, to coach with your dad and, and share in, in the success and uh, of your program with him? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my dad coached me all through middle school and high school. Um, not high school, sorry, uh, elementary school and middle school. And then when I got to high school, it was, you know, dad coaching me on the side, um, typical coach type of thing. Um, and then when I got into college and, you know, after ACL surgeries and sitting back and getting to watch how practices are done, and that's really when I knew I wanted to be a coach. Um, my dad and I started talking about it, you know, like someday it would be really cool if we could coach together. Um, and honestly didn't know if that would be like him being the head coach and me being an assistant or the other way around as it is right now. Um, but it is a lot of fun. And it's it's great because, you know, my, my dad's my boss during the day. And then we joke that at night, you know, when we go to practice, I'm his boss. So we get to switch roles a little bit. Um, and he, he'll like to say that, you know, that, that I kind of like change gears. And he's like, man, when that, when that switch flips or that flip switch, uh, he, he's like, you just change. He's like, you're, 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 you're bossy. Was, you know, he jokes around about that. But, um, you know, I just, I'm very confident in what I'm doing. And I really try to be passionate about coaching. And, um, you know, that comes from him, too. He he taught me the game. He taught me the love of the game, which has been great. And so it's been a lot of fun to get that experience with him, and I think he enjoys it, too, even though he thinks I yell at him a lot. Um, but it's <laughs> it's been a great experience, and so far it's been it's been good, and I think we're looking forward to, you know, a few more, at least a few more successful years, hopefully more. Yeah. Do you ever have to, you know, I know my mom uh, – helps with our scorebook so she's not on the bench but involved um and my yeah. mom was my coach as, as a younger kid also um do you ever have to tell him like dad you can't be on the officials you know what i mean do you ever <laughs> have to have those conversations i feel like sometimes uh parents get a little extra fired up with the officials yeah. and their kids team um, that's, that's being affected you know no, uh, I mean, I think with all my assistants, I've had to be like, hey, like, that's not your position, you know, like, mm -hmm. let me talk to them, I'll, I'll deal with it. Um, but no, for the most part, I haven't had to really say anything like that. There's been a few times when, you know, we like get frustrated in practice and like, all my assistants are frustrated. And I'm like, why are you guys all so frustrated? And they're not relaying it very well. So it's just trying to get them to relay to me, like, okay, what's going on? And then how do we fix this? And can you guys communicate with that, the girl? So it's not just always coming from me. Um, and I think, that has been, I think, the hardest part, too. Um, it's just letting them know that, hey, I trust you guys. You guys can go say something to the kids. You don't have to relay it through me first before you go to them, or you can't just bring it to me all the time, and then I'm the bad guy all the time, too. Um, so it's got to be a little bit of both. But, yeah, no, um, definitely a time during playing Putnam in the in the playoff game where I had to tell my every single person on the bench, like, sit down, do not get up. Like, we're on the verge of, like, we can't afford anything right. extra right now. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing crazy like that. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. And I'm sure you know I got to coach actually with my mom. I was the girls' coach at Thurston uh, back in 2014-15, oh. uh, okay. uh, and my mom helped, which was kind of cool. And the girls yeah. loved it. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, did the girls just love having your dad on staff too? I don't. I just feel like oh, it yeah. had a they, cool, <laughs> cool dimension. They love. It. Yeah, they love it. Um, my dad's a big 49ers. There's this great memory that I will never forget. My dad's a big 49ers fan. I'm a big Packers fan. Um, and so, you know, we played <laughs> each other last year. <laughs> um, right. And because we own a screen printing shop, 
I show up before a game for a shoot around and I walk, I walk in and the girls are in there. Yeah. I'm like, this is kind of weird. And then like a few minutes later, all the girls walk in together wearing 49er shirts. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, I cannot believe he like pulled that off number one. Cause I'm here all the time and I see what gets printed, but he pulled that off and the girls just thought it was like the greatest experience. They love that. I call them dad, you know, or like when I'm like, Hey dad, like that's, can you do this? They're like, oh, you know, like dad's in trouble. Like I just love that kind of interaction and knows it's really serious. But my dad's a really lovable guy too, so it's hard not to not to love that situation. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned Putnam uh, as I was kind of uh, looking through OSAA. You know, you guys got to play them in the preseason last year, uh, yeah. and you got beat by twenty four. Uh, yeah, feels like they kind of handled that game, but then you got to play them again in the playoffs with a chance to go to Gill uh, and end up beating them. So what was yeah. the difference between that preseason game to your playoff game? Uh, there's a few things. I mean, that first game we played them, um, I was missing my uh, senior, I uh, didn't call her a post, I guess, but um, this level-headed kid and did a lot for us. Um, I was missing her. She was sick, so we missed her, um, which is a huge factor in how we played in the second game. Um, and then we we didn't have any film on them the first game, so we didn't really know what we were going into um, besides, like, seeing box scores right before. Um, so I kind of figured the type of play that they would play. We just didn't have a lot of time to prepare for them that first go. Um, and that second time, man, I had any opportunity that I knew anybody that was in the area when they were playing and it looked like we were going to be playing them again. I said, hey, can you go watch them? Can you take notes? Can you take film for me? So we had tons of film on them, including the game that we played them. Um we watched a lot of film as a team. I watched a lot of film as a coach, and so did my assistant. Um, and then we had the boys. So the boys were done. They didn't make the playoffs. We had some of the boys' team um, come in and practice with us for a week before we played Putnam the second go. Um, and my biggest ask of those boys was, whatever you do, you are pressuring us. You know, like just emulate what Putnam does. Um, and so that mentally, I think, prepared the girls um, and honestly, we, we, who doesn't love a revenge game, right? So we had that opportunity to come back and beat them. And I think another factor is, too, uh, Ridgeview, since I've been there, has had the opportunity um, to play in that first round of state, and they've always gotten blown out um, since I've been there, so four years before I showed up. Um, I think it was just, like, this is our time. Like, this is the time right now. Let's do it. Like, we have this opportunity. We know we can beat this team. Let's go do it. And I think mentally we were prepared and ready to just accomplish, and the girls wanted it so bad. So it was so fun to see them get to do that. And, hey, what <laughs> my birthday, my 30th birthday was the next day, so I kept giving the girls a hard time, like, hey, this would be a great birthday present. Like, if we could do this, we could go first year. No one thought we could do this. Let's do it. Um, it, was, it was a great experience. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah so you get to make the, the state tournament uh, in your first season, which is, is not necessarily unheard of, but difficult to do. You take over a program. Like you said, there's a lot of tough things that you have to figure out as a head coach. What do you think led to that success and getting over that hump finally? Um, man, hard work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hard work on my end, hard work on the girls' end. Um, I 1,000% sure know that as a first-year head coach, like, that was not expected. No one expected that from us. Um, and I think that was even, like, it was definitely a factor in it. Like, sometimes we would walk into a gym and people wouldn't know who we were. Um, and so we were able to surprise some people. Um, I think we surprised our league a little bit going, um, nine and one. We lost our last game, um, uh, up in Pendleton, but we, we surprised people and the hard work that the girls, you know, put in every single day. They showed up. They, 
they enjoyed being there, which is something that I think is huge for kids in the high school sports right now is just being able to have fun but still compete. Um, and just the buy-in that also sold them on some of that. So definitely, like, I would love to take, you know, some of it, but I will always put on the kids. It's, you know, the kids put in the work. I'm just there to try and lead them in the right direction. Um, and, and I hope we can continue to do it. I mean, this year's not great for that, but we're, we're definitely looking forward to the opportunity to get out on the floor. Yeah. How do you, you know, or do you have a plan or what are your thoughts on, you know, it's one thing to have one successful year, but I think as coaches, you know, we want to continue to turn that into two and three and a decade or if we're lucky, a dynasty, right? So what what do you think, how are you going to try to maintain that success so that it's a year in and year out thing? Yeah, um, man, I would, so last year when I got the job, it was, it was all kind of like, uh, you got the job, we're in the summer ball. Okay, here we are. Like, let's go. Um, and I didn't get an opportunity to spend a lot of time with our youth and honestly not like really any, like they all knew who I was, but that was it. And I had all these plans before COVID hit to, you know, really start getting involved with the youth program. Um, and just to get the girls involved too, so that we don't run into the issue of, you know, freshmen are showing up and they're, they don't know who's on, on the team. They don't know them. And so I wanted to get away from that and just start building that relationship, um, from the lower levels up and, um, that's kind of my goal and what I hope to do once COVID's over and we can start getting back to somewhat of a normal, um, life for everyone. And I think that's just the best way that I can think of, um, to do that. I know, like, growing up here, um, I got to watch, um, Coach Reed, um, the boys coach over at Mountain View for the longest time. He had a great youth program. So I've, you know, I've asked him a few questions about how he's ran that, that type of thing. And that's just kind of what I would like to do. I would like to start with the youth and just keep building from there. And so that when they get to us, it's not like, hey, we're teaching our offense day one as a of RC program. That's not how it should be. We should already know most of it. And we can add layers onto it from there. Um, so that would be my goal. Um, and like I said last year, I didn't get that opportunity. And I, I just was so overwhelmed, I think, with trying to figure out of, like you said, like, oh, I'm now, I'm now the head coach and I'll be assistant. And there's so much extra steps to it. And so just figuring out that balance between all that as well. Yeah, and you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, you kind of changed philosophy for maybe the previous coach. Um, how did that change? What are you guys running? I think uh, I, I got did some research. Uh, are you guys at Read and React team? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we're in the very beginning stages of Read and React. I would love to be further. Um, honestly, I just want the girls know, to, like, know the game and under, just understand, like, hey, this is a great opportunity to back cut, and I don't want point A to point B all the time. I want, you know, like if we're going to do point A to point B, it's a quick hitter because we're looking for uh, somebody for a three in the corner or something along those lines. Um, but I just want us to understand the game of, um, you know, being able to just know when the right opportunity is to cut. And is this my opportunity to score, um, even though it's not part of the play? Um, so, yeah, we, we're definitely a read and react team, um, and we're very much in the beginning stages of it. We're still trying to just understand the basics of the offense. Um, defensively, uh, really trying to – we don't run – I mean, we ran a one three one, um, and that was huge for us in league. It did not go so well for us over at Gill. But, um, <laughs> so this year I think we're going to start transitioning into being – I mean, we're, we're a pretty short team. We have one girl, I think, over six foot. Um, so we're going to really start transitioning into just more of a pressure man-to-man style defense and just, once again, learning the basics of, you know, hey, this is how you play defense. You sit down. You don't let someone drive to the hoop, you know, no straight line drive. Get them out of the key. Um, turn around, box out and just look to transition as much as possible. Um, and that's something in Central Oregon that I think has been missing for a while. 
Um, and so trying to implement that a little bit is, it's been a, it's been a challenge, but man, it's fun to watch the girls start to pick it up. Totally. What, you know, one, three, one, um, is, you know, something that we see a lot as coaches, but not mm-hmm. necessarily the go-to zone type of defense, right? So right. what, what made you go one, three, one? Man, I wanted to, I wanted to trap and get transition points as much as possible. We have an amazing point guard that can, uh, see up the floor um and last year it was great for us to get steals and run we love to run we have a couple girls that are just would love to run the floor and get layups all day long um and so i was just looking for like okay what's the best way to um get quick steals and surprise some teams right and so we were able to run man-to-man as our basic offense and then throw the one three one in in situations and we ended up using it a lot more than i thought we would um i just had the right personnel for it too so i had someone that could read on the bottom I had um, a sophomore last year that could play up the top, had long arms, athletic, and just get tipped and transition on her own. Um, so we had the right personnel last year for it. Um, and so that was a huge factor in deciding to go with that. I knew I wanted to try and put it in, um, sprinkle it in here and there, but it became one of our main offenses at that, or defenses at that point. Yeah. And so it works. You just got to keep doing it, right? Don't yeah, we got to keep going with it. Yeah. yeah. And then we, got to, then we got to Gill and we're like, oh, man, you don't realize, like, even I played in college and like, you don't realize how big that court is. And so like, that was a huge transition. So that, that was a learning point for me too. Like, okay, well stuff that we do during the season may not work when we get, you know, further into state. Right. And the teams you play there are pretty, pretty talented as well. It's, uh, talented. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've been, that was one thing we noticed too, is like, man, every team that was there had been there for years before. And I don't know, you know, exactly how many, but it felt like everyone had been there. Like that was our first time. Our girls were a little bit shocked, you know? So that was, mm-hmm. It's kind of an eye-opening thing for us, but I think it kind of like that Putnam game, right? That first one we got blown out. It was kind of like a taste, and now like, okay, let's go back to that. We want that again. Like, let's go get that revenge of you know going 0 and 2 at state. Right. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll return with more from Coach Love right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. The start of school means it's time to sign up or renew your Oregon Basketball Coaches Association membership. OBCA membership includes access to exclusive resources that help personalize instruction, understand players' mindsets, and maximize the impact of your practices. Members also receive access to the OBCA mentoring program and have a voice in improving the game at the state level. Membership starts at just $15 a year. Register online today at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Derek Duman here talking with Coach Alicia Love. Uh, Coach, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the fact that you are a a female head coach. It's something that um, is becoming more commonplace in our game, uh, but not something that is probably as commonplace as, as it should be. Um, can you talk about your experience as, as a younger female coach? Uh, do you feel like you've been treated any differently, or, or how has that experience gone? Yeah. Um, you know, in Central Oregon, I've been pretty lucky because all the bench schools um, have female head coaches. Uh, Redmond, our rival, also has a, a female head coach who's been there for a long time. Um, so really in the area, I was kind of the last one. You know, Ridgewood was the last one to grab a female head coach, um, you know, they had one before the coach before um, went to back to a male and then um, then I came in. But um, I don't feel like I 
maybe I just don't notice it, but I don't feel like I get treated too differently. Um, I definitely think the young factor plays a little bit more into it. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't, a lot of people, when you look at me, you're like, man, that, that girl could be in high school. And I get that a lot. Um, and so I think sometimes the respect factor in that is like people not understanding, like, hey, like she understands the game. And sometimes I feel like that was refs. Um, when you go somewhere else, you know, not Central Oregon area where we get the same maps over and over again, but like, man, who's, who's this girl yelling at me or, you know, telling me I'm making the wrong call. She doesn't even know what she's talking about. Um, for the most part, that's how I feel. Um, it's definitely, um, it's a, it's a great experience to be a female head coach and get to coach high school girls. And I think, um, the girls respect that as well. Um, you know, in high school, I had all male coaches and then, uh, got to college and I had female coaches the whole way through besides my one year at Concordia. Um, and one of my favorite coaches to this day was my coach at LBCC. Um, and it was just a different dynamic and it's a different dynamic. And I think you can understand girls a little bit more, um, being a girl, you know, um, being a female and getting to understand like where they might be coming from and where's this lack of confidence coming from or, you know, why does she feel this way about something? I think you can just relate a little bit more to them in that sense. Yeah, how many uh, opposing coaches or officials came up to your dad before the game uh, for pregame practice here? <laughs> did you, did, you, did um, you have a count? No, I don't. I, I do remember um, during summer ball last year, we uh, – man, I actually think we might have been at um, Silverton, at the Silverton tournament, and my JV coach now was sitting on the bench, and I was, like, walking – I don't even know. I wasn't, like, next to him. And the the ref comes up to him and like starts talking to him. He's like, "Yeah, you're talking to the wrong the wrong person." He's like, "What? She's the head coach?" Like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like so. Never got a real real head count, but I mean, just because I had been in the Central Oregon area and I grew up here, a lot of the refs know who I am. Um, so I didn't really get that a whole lot. Um, yeah, and I don't remember that really ever happening when we went and played over in the Valley or anything either. So no, no head count okay. on that one. I would think it would I'll happen more, but it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know my first year as a head coach, I was pretty young, and uh, it happened almost every game, partially yeah. because of, of our pregame routine. I would come out a little later, and so mm-hmm. anyway, it was just uh, it was pretty funny because my assistant coach at the time didn't like to have those conversations. He was very much <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, a, I'm an assistant, uh, but it happened quite often, quite often. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so – you talked a little bit about, you know, your preparation for that, that playoff game. Uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, being in Central Oregon, obviously the other Central Oregon teams, it's probably going to be a little easier to scout, get film. Um, but how do you, you know, how do you prepare your teams for upcoming, upcoming games, uh, especially against teams that are maybe from the Valley? Yeah. Um, it's tough. I'll be honest. It's really tough. Um, the The thing that, I don't know if it's really beneficial, but we play in a lot of tournaments in the preseason. And so there's not a lot of time to scout for teams, right? You're playing one team one day, the next day you're playing the other. So maybe you get to watch that team, you know, the night before, before you get to go, you know, sleep it off and then go play them in the next day in the tournament. Um, but, I mean, I, I ask for film. I'm all over huddle. I will, I'm will. i not afraid to ask for it, and I'll, I'll try and get it from any way I can. Um, if I have any friends up in the area, I'll ask them if they know anything or if they can go watch and film for me. I've done that before. Uh, I have other coaches that I know in the area too, up in the valley that that would be willing to share information. But it's hard. Uh, really, I just try to focus on, hey, what do we want to do? And if if we have to make adjustments based off of a team playing completely different than than we're used to, then we'll do that in in the moment. But 
most of the time we, we don't have that option. We just kind of have to prepare for, for us and not really worry too much about the other team if we're going to end up playing someone in the Valley. Um, unless it's later in the season, like Putnam, we got a lot of films. We were able to watch them a little bit more. Yeah, what do you do with your kids? Do you guys watch film on another team? Do you give them scouting reports? Do you go over it and practice beforehand? What what, yeah. what do you kind of do with that? Uh, we tried we tried doing some film. Um, some some days are better than others. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> hey, put your phones. Everyone's got their phones away. Like we we got to get away from that. Um, I'm big on scouting reports. So especially in leagues, um, every game we played, every kid had a scouting report. Just of the top players. You know, this is what they do. This is what they're going to do as a team. Um, this is what this individual player likes to do. This is who you're most likely going to be guarding. So they all, all my players had that. Um, they got to see that a little bit. But some of it was wrong. I mean, not completely wrong, but some of it wasn't accurate. And it was just based off one game I got to see. And then some of it was, but I think it was beneficial. I think the girls appreciated that. And I think it also showed, like, hey, I'm buying in, too. Like, I'm putting all this time in, and you guys got to buy in as well. So them getting to see that was helpful. Um, and then we use, we use Huddle. Um, I can't Huddle Assist. Um, and I can't explain to you how beneficial that was just as a coaching staff to be able to see, like, this is where we're not being successful at. So we struggled finishing last year. Anything with contact, we had a hard time finishing. So this is what we need to work on in practice. We're going to work on this over and over and over again, and the girls will tell you, like, well, it's the one thing that Coach said all the time. We don't finish very well, so, you know, we'd always work on that. And Huddle Assist was huge for us in that situation, get, being able to see that. Corner threes, we got to work on our corner threes. we get more threes up at practice. Um, getting to see stats was huge for us. Yeah, that was you lead me right to my next question, which is good work on on your part. Uh, you know, <laughs> analytics have, have uh, changed the game a lot. You know, a lot more teams shooting threes than before. Um, all sorts of things that coaches like to keep track of to kind of evaluate how they're doing. What are some things that that you keep track of or that you really look at when you're looking at your stats on huddle assist? Right. Yeah. Um, we're not a huge three-point shooting team, and looking at our stats, you would definitely see that our percentage was not very high, and that's something that I would like to change um, in our program. But that was something that we would look at so we could point that out to kids, like, hey, this is this is not a good shot for you right now. Or in this situation, like on a, on a transition, like a corner three is not the right opportunity for that. So we were able to show them that. Um, so we would watch that. I would look at a lot of plus and minuses, a lot of um, what does this lineup look like together when it comes to plus and minuses. Where are we not finishing at? Where are our offensive rebounds um, coming from? Where are our defensive um, – letting the other team get offensive rebounds? Sorry. Uh, where is that coming from? Where can we get better in these situations? And then I have a couple of kids that just – they lived on huddle. Um, I love the fact that I could see, like, which kids were on huddle and actually watching film and seeing that stuff. And those are the kids that you see it in practice too, right? They're making those transitions. They're changing because they get to see that stuff every day. And to me, even if, you know, three out of my five kids or three of my top five kids are, are watching that consistently and the other two are somewhat watching it, that's a huge difference in the program. And that also, those three kids are going to start getting those other kids to buy in because, hey, I saw this on Huddle the other day. You should go watch that. You know, you could get better at doing that too. Um, so that's been big for us too. It's just the girls having that. And we're lucky enough to have a sponsor, um, a.k.a. my dad, <laughs> uh, you know, pay for that because it's not cheap. And it was really beneficial. And I could not imagine – myself having to sit down and break down film like that. I just don't have the time with a full-time job. Um, and so that being at my fingertips was amazing. Yeah. All the, all the old time coaches listening right now are like, well, let me tell you, it used to be, <laughs> yeah. it used to be 
Uh, and I get I one hour of sleep or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, yeah, even with film exchange, you know, they drive an hour, you know, both, oh, both coaches drive an hour to exchange film. So yeah. I, I agree. Huddle, huddle has changed the game. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, are there any stats in particular that you keep during the game that an assistant might keep that you're going to look at at halftime or between quarters uh, that, that yeah, gives you an idea of um, how things are going? Yeah, I have um, someone up on the stand keep stats for me, uh, and they are keeping track of offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds for the other team, uh, foul play um, points, and really basic. Like, I really focus more on rebounds at that point. Um, and steals and turnovers. So those, I mean, they're really basic. Nothing like crazy. Um, but I want to know, like, are we getting killed on the offensive board? Are we turning the ball over so many times and that's why they're getting transition, transition layups? So is it something that I can't remember? Like, hey, is it right there on paper? Hey, you're giving up three offensive boards in the, in the first quarter. We can't let that happen again. Um, so nothing crazy. And I really, I really don't like to throw too many numbers at the girls at halftime just because I want them to focus back in. And realize, hey, this is this is what we want to do. We don't need to focus so much on what the other team's doing, but let's focus on what we need to do to make this make this a win for us. Um, and then just building their confidence back up because sometimes we come in come in at halftime. It's like it seems like everyone's so down. All right, so now what do we got to do? Okay, hey, this is what we did great. You know, maybe give them one one to two bad things we need to focus on. All right, this is what we did amazing at. This is what we um, we're killing it on the three point line today. Um, let's keep that up and just building confidence back up. Um, I think it's huge with girls. So letting them know that, hey, you're doing a great job, and it's not always just negative, 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 and we're building them back up and letting them know that they're doing a great job, even if they might, might might not be doing exactly what they want to do. You know, in our eyes, they might be doing better than what they think they are. Yeah, you talk about, you know, uh, coaching girls, I've had the opportunity to, and I, I like to ask coaches that have coached both a little bit about the difference. But I know, you know, in reading the article, you were hired as well, you know, one of the things that the girls and you were talking about was kind of this team chemistry um, mm-hmm. and, and playing together. What are some things that you did to maybe help build that team chemistry in your in your first season? Yeah, um, we did. And we had the girls have journals, and sometimes they would share out of their journals, and sometimes they wouldn't. Um, we would do just drills and practice, and it wasn't like, hey, starting five versus, you know, five on the bench. We would intermix kids all the time. Um, we did – JV and varsity practices together almost all year, um, which was huge, mostly because I had quite a few swingers um, that played some JV and some varsity. Um, but just getting them not so clicky and being like, hey, we're the starting five, we're so much better than you. You know, it was just more interaction between everyone. And then the style of play, so read and react, it's just everyone gets the opportunity to score. It's not, hey, we're looking for this one player the whole entire game, and they're going to be our main scorer. And even though, you know, player of the year is on our team, she's still going to look for this person for the kickout for one more pass. Um, and just really just making them understand that, hey, we're all in this together, and without all of us, we can't be successful. Yeah. One of the things, this might be a tough question for you to, to answer, but uh, sure. my next one is about, just about skill development. Uh, obviously, you got hired in, in, you know, late spring, so you jumped into summer ball. But you did have last fall. Uh, and 5A, 6A has the new practice limitation rule. Gone is the rule of two at 5A, 6A level. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, how do you work on skill development within your program? How do you utilize that practice rule? And how much time do you spend on it in the season? Yeah. Um, it's hard. Uh, I mean, small school. I mean, I know we're a 5A school, but we're in a small area where kids play multiple sports. 
Um, and I've got a ton of volleyball players and a ton of soccer players that, you know, the way that the Redmond School District is, is I don't get to work with those kids if they're in season. Um, most coaches just want that respect of like, hey, they're in my season right now. So I might get a kid that comes in and, you know, gets a few shots up on the gun or something like that if they're playing another sport. So on all honestly, like last fall, like I had like three to four kids a day um, working on gun stuff, ball handling, just the, you know, really basics. We don't get a ton of time for that. And that's what I wanted for summer ball and spring um, for the kids that don't play softball or track. And, you know, I didn't get a ton of that. And so in season, it was a little bit of like, hey, we need to work on some of the fundamentals of just basic passing. Uh, how do we close out correctly? How do we box out correctly? Um, things that don't get focused on when you're like in the heart of season. And we would spend the beginning of practice working on just, you know, finishing drills, um, footwork, um, closing out, a lot of defensive closing out type of drills and just that type of thing. And I really wanted to use this summer to really focus more time on that. And I mean, COVID shut that down a little bit. I'm also really lucky. I have a, we have one AAU program here. So, and most of my kids play for them. Um, and so, you know, they're spending a lot of time. Yeah. They're spending a lot of time um, working on that stuff and not only playing, they also get to do fundamentals, um, go to their clinics and do that stuff, which has been really beneficial, I think, for our whole program too. Yeah. What does a typical practice look like? Let's say a typical year, uh, let's say early January. So you've played a few games now. What, what yeah. would a, walk us through what a typical practice would look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we typically come in, um, the girls warm up together. So we would have JV and varsity and I have um, two kids lead um, the warm ups. And then we would go into a layup drill and a finishing drill probably at that point. So we've got some contact from some assistant coaches um, just learning to finish. And then we're going to go into some shooting drills, focusing on offense in the beginning um, and just working on footwork, communication. So we do a lot more one-more drills just because I want my girls to know, like, hey, there's this other opportunity. If I'm yelling one more, one more, I'm here. Um, so we do a lot of the communication type of stuff, making sure that um, – our foot works right when we're catching, when we're passing, and we're finishing through everything. And we got to know that, hey, we don't get all the calls that we think we're going to get, so we got to finish through those. So we don't call fouls in practice. That's another thing. Um, unless I'm like, okay, that was that was a little over the top. Let's stop this real quick. Um, so we go into that stuff. So we do fundamentals in the beginning, and we start focusing on um, what what's the next layer of our offense. So, I mean, we didn't get very far into it, so we would focus on those things. Um my girls love 11 man. Um, so we would play a lot of that and just throw a fun drill in so that we can, you know, okay, we've just had all the seriousness. Let's have some fun. And then we'll go back into um, focusing for our next game. So what are we mentally doing um, to prepare for our, our opponent that's coming up next? Um, and then do we need to throw in a zone offense. Do we need to, you know, throw in a box and one, you know, anything that we need to work on at that point comes in there. And then we scrimmage at the end um, and work on situations. I like it. I like it. Uh, Coach, you talk about, you know, COVID obviously has thrown a wrench in, in all of our plans and um, leaves us hoping, you know, fingers crossed that we're going to get uh, a short season coming up here in May and June. Uh, what have you been doing to try to engage your team uh, during this, this funky time? Yeah, um, we definitely <laughs> – I use Remind a lot just because that's what the school uses. So we're communicating through that. Um, any opportunity that, like, so we just got the go-ahead, hey, we can have sticks in a gym. We might, you know, start using that to our advantage. Um, my kids are, most of them are still doing stuff with the AAU program in the area, which is also helpful. Um, and then I got a bunch of kids that are focusing on soccer and volleyball right now. So 
I mean, I'm not getting a ton in right now, but just trying to stay engaged with them, um, with grades, with schools, you know, checking in, like, hey, how's this going? You know, what can we do for you? That type of thing. Um, and I'm really interested to see what happens with the whole COVID situation and what's that going to look like? Like, where are we going to play? Who are we going to play? You know, how do we practice and get in shape for that? That's huge as well. I, I'm a little, that one stresses me out a little bit. Not really sure how that's going to happen, but, um, we're, I'm just, I'm trying to take it day by day because it can be a little overwhelming and I, I don't want to get the kids too excited and then, you know, have to shut them down again. Um, and so, I just really take it day by day and, and hope for the best and see if we can actually have a season. I mean, my fingers are crossed just like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Have you done any kind of thought or planning about, okay, hey, we're going to have, uh, you know, even less time than usual, kind of like you were mentioning, to prepare for the season. And then, yeah. you know, we might be playing two to three games a week in this short amount of time. Uh, have you thought about, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to have to change things offensively? Are you going to pare down things you do? Have you thought about how yeah. you might try to approach that that kind of short time frame to prepare? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've definitely thought about it. Um, the biggest thing that's playing into that, right, is the, the time factor. Um, my my starting point guard for the last three years um, just tore her ACL and had surgery a month ago. So that's another thing that we're thinking about, like, okay, who are we going to throw into at the, at the point guard position, and how are we going to get them ready in that short amount of time? Um, and luckily, because it is the read and react offense, like it's pretty simple to throw in the basics, right? And so most of my kids have that already. And so what layers can we add in? Can we add in one or two quick hitters? Let's focus on man-to-man defense this year. Um, we don't need to throw anything too crazy at unless we have a little bit of time to prepare. Um, and really, yeah, just kind of simplify everything this year because, it, like you said, it's going to be short, it's going to be sweet, and we're just going to have to have fun with it and, and realize that everyone's in the same boat too. So it's not just us. Right. All right, we're going to take another break. When we return, Coach Love will try to beat the shot clock here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Stay up to date with the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association on social media at facebook.com slash OregonBCA or on Twitter at ORHoopCoaches. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We're talking with Ridgeview Girls Coach Alicia Love. Uh, Coach, for my next set of questions, I'm going to put you up against the shot clock. 35 seconds on the timer, uh, and I've got some rapid-fire questions for you that hopefully take only one to two words uh, to answer. Uh, And if there's anything you want to follow up with or explain your answer on later, uh, we'll do that after our possession is over. All right. Sound good? Okay. Sounds great. All right, uh, 35 seconds on the clock. We are starting now. Do you think Oregon high school basketball should have a shot clock? Yes. Should it be implemented at the sub-varsity levels? Uh, yes. If you're up three with less than 10 seconds, do you foul? Ooh. Depending on the situation, but most likely no. How big of a lead do you need before you pull up a press? Uh, 20. Favorite way to guard on balls? Uh, over the top. You think the three-point line should be moved back? Ooh, no. What's your favorite pregame meal? Uh, coffee. <laughs> What's one word officials would use to describe you? Ooh. Um, passionate. 
Good. Ty, nice work. Good work, coach. <laughs> That last one's a tough one. That last one's that a tough one. That one. last one's hard, yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. I, uh, I've i told a few people I, I that was actually asked of me in an interview once for a, a coaching no. job. <laughs> yeah, it was, oh. what's one word uh, players would use to describe you? What's one year, uh, word parents would use to describe you? And what's mm-hmm. one word officials would use to describe you? Um, what was your answer to that last one? Uh, I think I said – you said passionate, right? I think it was passionate yeah. or intense. I think intense is yeah. probably the most uh, common answer that uh, that I was got. that was an option in my mind, and I was like, that sounds a little a little harsh. Let's go with a little bit yeah. <laughs> not so hard. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Uh, so, coach, obviously, it's the shot clock segment. Um, I'm sure you're aware. You know, you got to play with a shot clock in in college, um, and it's something that's uh, kind of a hot topic issue across our state, but also across the country uh, of whether or not, you know, high school basketball should have a shot clock. You mentioned you were in favor of it. Uh, You want to explain your reasoning why? Yeah. um, I mean, number one, I don't think that it would affect our style of play too much just because we like to play up-tempo. But there's a few games that I remember just watching. So um, boys and girls where teams just stalled. And I'm just like, I cannot – I just – can't understand, you know, how we don't let kids play, and that's what we're here for, right? It's, I mean, yeah, we all want to win, but at some point, like, if that's going to – if the shot clock's going to get away from that and let kids play the game, I'm all for it. Yeah, do you think uh, – I mean, there's a bunch of proposals going around. What? How much time do you think we should have on our shot clock? 30, 35, 40? I think – I think 35 or 30 is it's fine. I mean, that's a lot of time. I feel like that's a, that's a long time when you really sit down and think about it. Um, and I don't – if you can't score in that amount of time, then, you know, it, it's time to let somebody else, you know, try and go for it. Um, and it's not fun either when you have to sit there and watch a team just dribble it out or, you know, stall ball the whole time. So, you know, we're, everyone is involved in this game should be doing it because they love the game and they love to have fun. And watching someone stall, it to me, is not a fun way to approach the game. Um, and I think it takes away from some of the integrity of the game, too. And so if we can implement that, and whether it be 30 or 35 seconds, I don't think it matters. But it just – it would change, I think, the way and the perspective of kids might look at a situation like that, too. For sure. Uh, how do you go about selecting your team captains? Oh, that was that was a really hard um, thing for me. Um, I've only had one year to do it, um, and I did have – I think that was one thing is that I was involved with the program before, so it wasn't like I was just walking into this situation. Um, I, I went back and forth like, okay, do I choose or do I choose one, let the girls choose another, um, do I let the girls vote on it? And in the long run, I think – Man, I don't even remember what we ended up doing. I think I ended up choosing. I think as a, as a coaching staff, we decided, you know, like these are the best um, kids that lead by example every day. They might not be the best player um, or they might not be a senior, but these are the kids that represent us and who we want to be as a program. And so that's the way I approached it this year. And I've, I'm still, for you know, coming years, I'm, you know, that might be something that I'd reach out to other coaches and see how they how they handle that because it's, that's a hard subject to broach. Um, and, and to figure out what the right way is. And I think depending on who you ask, it's probably different for everybody. Yeah, that's one of the things I found in, in doing this podcast is that every coach kind of has a little different way of doing it. It's been kind of interesting yeah. to see and, and pick and choose which way is right for you and your program. 
Right, yeah. And that's one of those things, you you know, in the beginning you asked, what's the difference between an assistant coach and a head coach, you know, being that? That's one thing that you don't even think about until it comes up and you're like, oh, yeah, I better start thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. Do you Did you give your team captains any sort of uh, responsibilities this year? Was there anything, um, job duties, for a lack of a Man, I wish – I wish I would have. Um, like I said, I think I said in the beginning, you know, I needed to learn to ask for more help. And there were some things that I could have given those kids that would have taken some stress off of my plate, um, whether it just be like, hey, communicate this to the team so I'm not sending out, you know, eight different texts or, you know, having to respond to eight different messages on Remind or something like that. Um, so that would be – I didn't, and I wish I did. I mean, they led warm-ups. And they got to talk in the middle of a game, you know, to the refs. But that was about it. Um, but that's definitely something that I've thought about and um, need to decide, like, how do I approach that situation as well. Do you have a favorite team bonding activity, either that you did maybe as a player or something that you did last season as a as a coach? Yeah. Um, there, as a player, I re- I distinctly remember being, you know, a junior and a senior, and we would rent a beach house and go stay up at the beach and um, with our whole team. And that was, like, the most fun experience and something that I look back on all the time now as an adult um, and something that I remember. So I remember all the team bonding activities that we did there. Um, I remember learning things about my teammates that I didn't know, um, that I would have never known if we didn't have that situation um, and so this year we went and we played up in Staten at the Staten um, Holiday Classic, um, which was a great experience for us. We got to play some 4A teams, some smaller schools, um, and that was like the starting point for us of um, building our confidence, right? So we got to um, play teams, win, win out at that tournament, but we also stayed in the house together. So we got an Airbnb. Um, we all stayed together. We had two seniors that um, jumped in and did most of the cooking and then we did some team bonding activities. The girls got to play in the game room, um, eat dinner together, and just experience those things together that I don't feel like you get to do a whole lot anymore in the high school world and sports. Um, you don't get to go stay somewhere together and do those things. And I, that's a tradition that I want to continue, where we have that opportunity to spend that time together and bond. Yeah, you guys also, you know, thinking about if you're traveling to the Valley for a road game, you spend a lot of time on, on the bus too right or even even yeah i guess even going to pendleton or hood river oh man that pendleton drive for us (laughs) you know do you do you do anything on the bus even to kind of turn those into uh like a pseudo uh team bonding activity or man we haven't you know that's actually a good idea and i think that would be i'm really glad you said something about that because that's that's really something to think about Um, i think it would be a great way especially because we have you know we only had a jv and a varsity program last year so we practice together, but they don't get all that bonding time together. So I think that would be a good idea to bring the program together. It's not just, you know, varsity's going to this tournament and getting this bonding time. Now I get to bond with all these kids. Um, I know, like, when we did longer trips, we had a charter bus. Girls would want to watch a movie, so we put on a movie. Um, to be honest, most of my kids sleep. <laughs> they all sleep on the bus. Yeah. I don't know how happy they would be if I uh, took that away from them, but <laughs> that would be a good idea, like a 10-minute little bonding or a little um, – I've been doing a lot of research and – um, got some uh, things to do for just mental um, strengthening type of things. So that could be a good mm-hmm. option for that too in the future. Yeah, I like that. You guys have a favorite movie of choice, Coach? Anything that was on repeat or? 
I mean, if it was up to me, <laughs> we, would be, we would be watching Hoosiers or something like that. But um, we've watched, man, I can't even think of some of the names of the – I don't watch movies that much, so I don't even mm-hmm. know. That, I let the kids choose as long as it's clean, um, yes. and, I, and I know for the most part what is. So they're, and they're all really good kids, so I don't have to worry about that too much with them. That helps. That always helps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have a, a favorite drill that you guys like to do? Girls love 11, man. Um, so we, we play that a lot, almost every single day. Uh, it's a fun drill, and we do, like, little mini competitions inside it. So, you know, whoever scores the most points doesn't have to do 10 push-ups. You know, something just – it's not really a huge punishment, but it also makes them work a little bit harder and want to compete. And I'm, if I can throw drills in while we're competing, um, that's what I try to do, even if we're having fun at the same time. And sometimes it might be, okay, who has the most assists or who actually points to their teammate that threw them that assist? You know, we're keeping track of stuff like that. Um, so that's fun and entertaining, and the and the girls love it just to um, compete against each other in not such a serious way. Right. Can you maybe describe that if someone that isn't familiar with it? It's called eleven man. What what is that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you've got um, two defenders, basically three on two. Um, you get the, if you uh, get the rebound. We play it if you get the rebound, make or miss. Um, you're outletting to the two, you have a line um, on each side of the free throw, or sorry, each line of the half court, and outletting, and you're going three on two the other direction. Um, and it's just continuous three on two, or three on three, so you've got the defender running in too. Um, right. And so it ends up three on two into three on three, and it's continuous just play, which is fun and small-sided type of game as well. So um, girls just love it where it's not five on five constantly up and down and I'm being a little bit more nitpicky about what I want them to do in that situation so right awesome well great coach I think that's all the questions I have for you today thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us I really appreciate it absolutely thank you for having me it was it was a lot of fun and um and I hope I get the opportunity to do more things like this If you have any follow-up questions or want to get a hold of Coach Love, you can find her contact information in the episode description. We hope you'll join us next time here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Until then, coach them up. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website, or send us an email at OregonBasketballCoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.